Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I am your host, Space Orphan 18. Today, we have my two favorite of all episodes. <laughs> Favoritest <laughs> of all the favoritest episodes. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry for you guys tonight. Um, it's props and it is national. So we're, we're almost here at the end of season three. And um, sitting here, um, you know, taking one for the team, are two lovely guests that are returning today. Is that me? This is Mikey. Hi, I'm Mel 40, no, 40, oh my God. I'm hungover, I'm sorry. It's 47, <laughs> and it's Sunday morning, and I'm really excited to be here. And it just got awkward. <laughs> okay. Mel, well, you're adorable. Thank you for returning. <laughs> All right. Well, I will go. And uh, I am Kitty and I am Slayer Kitty on Tumblr. And it is Saturday night here and I am not hungover. (laughs) Well, you're not even taking any cold meds or anything? No, it was uh, like like a stomach thing. So basically just been sick to my stomach all week and everything that comes with that. (laughs) I lost like eight pounds or something. I don't recommend it, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are talking about two episodes. Um, the first one is props. Now, everyone always really remembers this about the because of the body swapping, and we will definitely talk about that. You know, half of this episode is really good and entertaining and funny and cracky. And then the second half of this episode is just so bad. It's just so bad, you guys. I'm so sorry. Um, so we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to talk about the, the Kurt storyline first, though, um, because it kind of is what opens it anyway. But um, when we open up into props, we actually have the return of Kurt Sadies, um, which we really haven't seen very much of since season one. And it's such a good scene. Mm-hmm. If you take, you know, the whole Sue thing out of it, all the... The Kurt and Mercedes interaction is great. But even, like, the Kurt interaction with Sue is fantastic as well because she's off on no rant and she's talking crazy and just 
He's, I am just so done with her the entire time through this scene. Every time she says something is pretty fantastic to watch as well. And this kind of goes off of the storyline that was in Saturday Night Gleaver because Kurt and Mercedes were the two that were helping Unique back in that episode, so it makes sense that they came back here. Um, and Unique is kind of uh, making it big as Unique, um, and she's she's completely embracing Unique. And... Um, so Sue is under the impression that if they can get Kurt to dress as a girl, they can reach the same kind of success. And this brings up, um, not the subject that I'm most familiar about, but I do think it's worth talking about, is Kurt and, and gender and gender identity. And, uh, Kurt, a defense, and, and, oh God, Kurt identifies as a man and it's, he's not gonna, you know, get in a dress to... You know, unique is a girl and is going to wear a dress. But Kurt is, you know, just because he's gay does not mean he is going to wear a dress. Uh, but it's not. It's not even just simply because he's gay. It's coming back to his, and also connects back to I am unicorn in that Sue says to him, "You've got the voice. You've got the." It comes to that idea of the femininity associated with his character. That it's not necessarily that he's gay, but it's all these other mannerisms as well. Um that, you know, that he's sort of constantly trying to fight against, that not to sort of put him into that box. Right. And and then the, we get the really cute moment because Mercedes says, well, what about Halloween? And <laughs> <laughs> it was the most revered 30 seconds of season three. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, oh. do you guys oh, remember? Oh, do you guys remember um, when the promotional stills came out for this? And mm-hmm. we were like, who is Darren with? <laughs> we couldn't. <laughs> you know what? I see. I think that I did not see them before the episode because I had successfully dodged that spoiler. So I missed that, but I'm sure that everyone was really confused. It was. I remember it was on my dash like 10 times before I figured it out that it was Chris. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, we have Kurt and Blaine dressing up as Snooki in the situation for Halloween. And um, it's pretty funny. (laughs) It's amazing. I just was just like TV whore geeks and I love it. And it's a running theme for them. This is like not even remotely out of the ordinary when it comes to their TV watching. Their trashy reality TV that they just love and adore. And it's why didn't we get more Halloween on this show? Like, why did we not get them? Because their one attempt at a Halloween episode did not go well. Yeah. Because they were doing like Rocky Horror. I'm talking like just having them in costumes, like silly costumes, reflecting their characters because that would have been amazing. Seeing especially playing in more couples costumes. Oh yeah, for a, mm. for a high school show, there were a lot of times when there weren't a lot of high school things in high school. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know, <laughs> like craggy Halloween episodes. There really wasn't any. There weren't any. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, every teen drama these days takes every opportunity to slap everyone in some formal wear. And it's, you know, this dance or this dance. And they did more of that down the line. But for the first few years, they definitely did not follow a lot of the typical, like, teen 
TV show conventions where they were basically milking every holiday, every, you know, coming of age moment and, and, and putting it on the show. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we, so yeah, that's, uh, Kurtz has like a really, I mean, sorry, I should specify the first 20 minutes is its own episode. And then the last 20 minutes, it's its own episode. I don't know why they decided to say these two episodes together. Um, but the, the little through line with Kurt though is about, um, Kurt trying to get him to dress up as a woman. And later on, um, then when they're all talking about props, um, which is totally a story they stole from season one's hairography, if you guys can remember. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That Sue comes in and he's, she uh, she says something about uh, we're gonna porcelain's gonna become porcelina, and yeah. and Kurt's it's... like not gonna happen, dragon lady. No. <laughs> and then Sue's like, "You'll do as you're told." He she and Blaine's expression is just this like split second of complete indignation for his boyfriend. Like, you know, how dare you? How dare you say oh, that? Oh gosh. The, the use of, of he, she throughout there, every time she was having this conversation is just so wrong. And it just, I hate that that happened because it tinges the entire, their entire storyline, you know? Yeah. We should well, really her, mention that. Her, conf- her confusion or, like, ignorance towards Unique and just he, she, he, she, in contrast to her, to her reaction in Beast, with Beast in Season 6, is, like, this complete opposite because um, she's really quite sort of unreasonable. Could here. we say that, well, I guess by the time Season 6 comes around, maybe she's yeah. marginally grown as a person. Yeah. A- as much as Sue can. <laughs> But she does this in, we're probably getting way off track here, but season five with the whole toilet storyline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as well. That's just, oh, man. And, like, yeah. she even, um, she calls Kurt a transsexual, which is yeah. not true. Not and, true. And, you know, Unique is transgender. It's, like, yeah, this show had some, you know, we... Unique should be celebrated. She's an excellent character, and they did a lot of excellent things with her. But sometimes the dialogue that this show was having around the subject was pretty incorrect a lot of the times. So it's definitely an instance of you tried, but whoa, because there's a. It's like they were trying to make it funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going in, we're not going to... Okay, I want to talk about the scene before the body swap, but we're going to save the body swap for a minute, okay? Um, the scene before, though, the body swap is Kurt and Blaine sitting in the mall. That is just, like, such a great moment, just to see the two of them sitting there. Like, one of them is eating ice cream. Yeah, that's Kurt. Like, are they both? It's just one cream. of them, right? Kurt has the ice cream, and Blaine has, like, a shake. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, it's just... They're in like mirror so, images of each other with their legs crossed and they've got their complementary colours and they're just sitting there having a massage. <laughs> well, see, now the thing is, are they really, do they pay to turn them on? Because I know yeah. that whenever, you know, 
not necessarily now, but when I was younger, we'd just sit in those chairs. We wouldn't yeah. bother to put any money in them. We'd just sit. <laughs> I think Kurt would have tried it out. I don't know. I can see him. Maybe not in this scene, but I can see him. Like, let's just sit in the massage chairs and get a massage and complain about how awful Sue is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Blaine's like, I agree. I don't think that just because, you, you know, <laughs> like, just because you're gay does not mean you like to cross-dress. <laughs> And that's true. And I do like that they did have that conversation, regardless of the previous scenes obviously needed some work, but they did go the extra point to emphasize, yes, just because he's gay and he does have a more feminine approach, take that for what you will, because, you know feminine and masculine that that's a whole other issue we could get into like on a completely different podcast but just because he is that way it doesn't mean that he's going to start you know wearing dresses or identifying as female which is really what the the point is now puck on the other hand (laughs) well puck means well but he's got his own we should probably at least mention the Puck Beast storyline here in this episode, too. But we'll get to that in a second. Kind of towards the middle of the episode, they have this really great scene where they have props. And they're doing um, <laughs> some shooting sparks. <laughs> that is such a great scene. And that mostly because I feel like that's more Chris than Kurt there. Oh. He is so satisfied with that. I've, I've got my notes written here, and I apologize. It's just Chris, Kurt fucking loves this though this is quite possibly Chris as well <laughs> oh yeah I, it's very much like let's see what kind of mischief I can get into doing this let's see how big these scarf marks will really go <laughs> I wonder how much trouble I'll be and if something catches on fire <laughs> that, um, that quote in an interview with him where he's like talks about controlled danger being a turn on yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I always I mean, think one of those moments where he was like well maybe if we had these props <laughs> oh man and that's it's some of these prop scenes i guess i think we have one more after this yeah we do um or a couple more actually um they're really funny there are some really yeah. really good moments within um like all of these little scenes like this big prop group scene not only yeah. does it show them practicing for nationals with the song that they're actually going to sing which is shocking to me that never happens uh, they just magically know them. Um, but there's some really funny ensemble moments in here. Yeah. And I, I know that I'm going to trash this episode in about 10 minutes, but um, <laughs> there's some really good stuff in it. Um, so that, then um, we get the, because um, we can't get again and see wanting Kurt to dress up as girl. God, he, she does it like 15 times in this episode. Anyway. <gasps> Oh, the little people. This is the little people thing. Where she's talking that she's ordered 18 little people, one for each of you, to dance. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I forgot about that, yeah. (laughs) And And she's like, of them of race and ethnicity so you can keep up with your little diversity charade. (laughs) And, like, Sugar, I think we get Sugar's reaction because she's sitting next to Will and it's just brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I mean, like, it's so wrong, but, oh, it, it, it did make crazy, crazy suit. Um, so the next scene I want to talk about is the one where 
Kurt goes undercover. Man, I wish we would have gotten a scene about Kurt going undercover because that would have been really fun. Apparently, he's much better at it um, now that you know he's not distracted by cute boys and blazers. Um, no kidding, because that was some high quality video he had going on there. It wasn't black and white because he adores the artist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they have this video and they're watching it. And I think my favorite part of the scene though, is definitely when, um, the, they're doing that centipede thing and, and Sue is going off about how it's the hardest, or maybe it was Will, the hardest thing that Will. choirs have ever done. And playing like, that doesn't look that hard. <laughs> and literally every comment after that scene aired <laughs> online was, well, we know what Kurt and Blaine have been doing. Too bad you can't show it on television. <laughs> well, you can if it's a paid channel. <laughs> well, so yeah. Um, and then yeah, then the there's the scene with with uh, Puck coming in wearing a dress because you know a real man wears a dress. <sighs> okay. Uh, I just sometimes I appreciate that they examine what it means to be a man, and then sometimes I'm like. No. Yeah. Because this is not a good use of that trope, for lack of a better word. Um, and then, um, with the exception of the, the again, aforementioned um, props, or body swapping thing we'll get to in a minute, um, is that there's a little scene at the end, because um, Tina and Rachel are doing something at the end, and there's a whole bunch of people talking, and it's Kurt... With Artie and Sam and Mercedes and Brittany, and they're all yeah. chatting. And Kurt's looking adorable in a hoodie, and he never wears a hoodie. And yeah, he's only worn that hoodie like twice. And this is, I think, is the second time he wears it. Yeah. And then there's the flash dance um, sequence <coughs> where they're all dancing on the bus. So, but you can't see. I mean, like, it took me forever to get like a shot of, of Kurt for my meta. But like the Kurt and Blaine, they don't show them very much. So I think Blaine at one point they're not even sitting together. It's just further rubbing salt in a very open wound at that point. I know that just we were so thirsty for anything, and they couldn't even give them us the two of them in a same bus seat. <laughs> well, they were sitting across from each other. <laughs> It's not the same. <laughs> um, definitely the highlight of the video, and definitely this is why this episode is so frustrating. Um, it the body swapping has got to be one of the most interesting things, one of the most creative things, one of the most entertaining things that this show has ever done. Yeah, you just I want it to be. Oh, a fly just, on the wall of when they figured out who was going to swap to who. Yeah. Like, and because just, some of the swaps are just, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, Mel. <laughs> All right. There's a delay or something. Good guy. Well, I just, it's, it's not your, what either your typical swap. They didn't do female for female, male for male. Uh, they just completely disregarded every statistic about a person. It just said, you're going to be you, and you're going to be you, and you're going to be you, and you, and you, and you, and it's going to be fun. And they went for it, though. I mean, give everyone on the cast amazing, amazing, just serious applause for that, because I bought it. 
Mm-hmm. It showed just how much they actually knew each other and how much they knew the characters they played. Like there was tiny little nuances, like the way they moved their heads and and held their hands and stuff like that. It was amazing to watch, and um, to also get um, to watch the behind the scenes stuff in conjunction with it as well, because we got more. In- got a lot more in that as well as we did in this sort of tiny scene in this episode mm-hmm. um but let's break it down a little bit because i think it's kind of worth it to jump into um which is it's i'm sure this is more interesting to talk about than me whining about tina and rachel which i will do where it's point where i have to edit it down um <laughs> i'll whine too trust me um first let's talk about finn and puck as Kurt and blaine cory monteith it just blows me away as Kurt. He's so adorable and so sweet, and he's so tall. You didn't expect it from him, but it worked. I, I think it helps that Kurt and Kurt and Chris, of course, Kurt and Chris look alike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Corey and Chris look slightly similar. I, I think for whatever reason, it seems to really work for me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he really, I mean, there is that uh, BTS uh, that was Mel was mentioning um, that yeah. had Corey and Chris sitting next to each other. And Corey, like, teases him about his high voice and everything. And it's just, but you can tell that Corey was respectful of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, th- I think one of the things that, that worked for that, too, was that, I mean, you know, they had were really good friends back then. And um, you could tell that that helped when it came to a lot of the mannerisms and cues and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, is Blaine. I, I don't, I feel like Mark Sandling, <laughs> who is not the greatest actor on the show. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to make fun of Blaine a little bit, or if he just was not, cause it's, it's Blaine, but it's also a little like, off. Character. Yeah. Character. It's like, like the exaggerated, he gets like the the eyes and like the eyebrows and stuff, but it's like ten thousand. And I wonder, I I don't know if that's on like like the actor's choice, yeah. and they just you know they went with it, or is that something that like the director did they tell them to be over the top, verging on caricature? No, they said be. Res- I remember there was a I don't know if it was an interview or if it was BTS web thing but they had told the actors you know we're gonna do this but don't make fun of the you know like don't make fun of your fellow actors in your impersonations so i i I just think it's like i I feel like um mark sailing was uh channeling more william shatner than he was blaine but um (laughs) (laughs) uh, he didn't have much to do um now talking about I, i really do want to talk about the interactions um, one reason why I think Puck and Finn work so well as Kurt and Blaine, actually, is because um, Corey and, and, and Mark were pretty close friends, and their friendship always came through on screen as, as Finn and Puck, and that translates a little bit to um, to this couple. I think that they yeah. it works for me, anyway. It adds maybe like a little more like an intimacy to it than maybe might not have been there if they had picked two other people yeah um i also okay so there are two kind of moments i want to point out um the first one is that we get a little i mean yeah this is tina's fantasy 
But we get Kurt and Blaine, fake Kurt and Blaine, I don't know, uh, arguing about what happened um, in Dance with Somebody with the in between the sheet or the between the sheets stuff. And he's like, Blaine is upset and like, you want to go run into your old pal Chandler and. And Kurt's like, well, you know, that was just one thing, and it was over, and whatever. And it makes me wonder, as cute as is just a little nod, I can we, like, meta that and say, you know, there were still a little, like, tension-filled moments here and there that Tina would, you know, pick up on, or, I don't know. I mean, it's possible that... There were. I mean, I, I couldn't rule it out. Or it's possibly Tina, like, dramatizing things, which that too. she does like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, I re- even though I think this two, these, these little moments were really, really cute, I understand the criticism of them. Kurt and Blaine in this little fantasy were holding hands and resting each other's heads on their shoulders and being far more intimate as a couple than Kurt and Blaine had been since, like, the first time. Yep. Yes. There was more touching in this 15-minute fantasy sequence done by actors who don't even play the real Kurt and Blaine than there had been in 10 episodes, 12 episodes. And that was so frustrating. And I also, I do think the show was kind of doing it on purpose as, as, as almost a joke, maybe not necessarily at our expense, only maybe a little bit, but like by the time they get to Tina's song, like really into the, the choir room portion of it, I mean, it, it gets escalated. Like, at first they're holding hands, and they're, like, cuddling, and then, you know, next thing you see is, you know, Finn as Kurt. Kurt is Finn. I, I don't know which way I'm going with this. Anyway, <laughs> fake Kurt and Blaine, like, with the shoulder, the head on the shoulder. It's almost as if they were going out of their way to point it out and be ridiculous with it. Or maybe doing it in that instance because if someone tried to censor it, they could say, well, it's not really Kurt and Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt comical instead of being sincerely about these two people like in love, quote unquote. It's like let's make a joke out of this type thing. Uh-huh. I still like the moments though. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 they're cute and, and and kind of funny, and they add to the scene. But I was just I was, that like it could have also been Corey and Mark having fun. Like they were having fun. They'd obviously embrace these roles and we're having a lot of fun with it and when you've got you know perhaps two mates sitting there doing that things can become a little bit more exaggerated like I'll do this well you're gonna hold my hand I'm gonna put my head on your shoulder etc etc so that could also be playing into what we see in that particular scene as well um let's before we get before I'm gonna save uh Chris's stuff for last because it's just so freaking hilarious um yeah uh, let's talk about, um, the, let's see, it was, um, Artie and Mercedes switch with Santana and Brittany. So you have, yeah. uh, Santana and Artie switching and mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Yeah. It was. Naya did a really good job. I thought in the chair and Lord knows that can't be easy. And even yeah. like, like she pushes up her glasses like Artie does and just her, because usually Santana, like Anaya is like playing Santana's a sarcastic, whatever, and she played it straight. Like, 
serious yeah. and whatever. And then you could tell Kevin was having a lot of fun at Santana. <laughs> and they get, they got him that that like ponytail. ponytail. It's it, is it a weave? I don't, it was just like stuck on the top of his head. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like they attached it to his his real hair, but it's just yeah. the ponytail. ponytail. No, I was like in the behind. She's like, he looks like an avatar in the <laughs> behind the scenes. And then he was disappointed that he's like that they put him in the male cheerleaders uniform. He wanted the the cut off sleeves and the skirt. Oh, he did. He wanted the skirt, and I think they overruled him. They wouldn't let him do it. Oh, that was yeah. fun. Yeah, and then you get um, <laughs> Mercedes as Brittany, and it's like <laughs> just a Lord coming to mind. Which <laughs> you wouldn't her. think that that would work, but it does. I don't remember what Lord Tubbington did. Oh my god, I feel so bad. Is it sold her iPhone for drugs? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all you get with and, Br- and I think what was. Uh, where City's only line in that was like praise or something. <laughs> but um, you can tell, like, uh, going back to the the censorship ish stuff that we were talking with about with the fake curtain plane. There's a moment in Tina Solo where um, where Artie and Brittany and no, no, Artie and Mercedes as Santana and Brittany kiss each other, just light up a little peck. But it's more than Britannia usually get too. Yeah, there's that too. Mm. Uh, then we have one of the best swaps <laughs> ever um, because I think Diana Agron. Uh, uh, yeah, or is it Argon? Sorry, did I say her name wrong? It's Agron. Agron, okay. And um, it, Sugar and Sugar and Vanessa Lundy's was as Quinn, um, but because she had to play it straight, she didn't get much to do. But man, did Diana seem to love playing Sugar. She did. She milked it too. Yeah. And then we had one of the most boring ones was the Sam uh, Rory swap because yeah. what were they going to? They didn't really do anything with him. They were just sort of there. Yeah. But I will tell you that that uh, Mike and Joe swapping was worth it just to see Harry in the dreads and him sweeping the dreads out of his face. Yeah. And then with um, Joe, like, he's like dance moves with the fist while he's sitting there, like, getting into the song <laughs> as Mike. What was it that, uh, that Mike as Joe got to say? Was it like word or something like that? I don't remember what he said, but it, I just remember that I could not stop laughing. Oh, yeah. and um, talking about really good performances, and before I forget them, um, because they sh- they really are, you can tell that these actors are so amazing, um, is the Sue Will switch. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> now, that is one I wish I could unsee. Because <laughs> <laughs> it frightened me quite a bit. It's fantastic. It was great. It's like, you can... Tina, you can hawk your chop suey recipes. <laughs> Dude, that is rude. That's incredibly racist. The, the, the greatest thing is watching them during the performance, and, and we'll talk about Tina's performance in a second, but um, they get the mannerisms down yeah. of, mm-hmm. of each other. I mean, just kudos to these actors because uh, you can tell Matthew Morrison and Jane Lynch are such professionals because they 
just even watching just the little movements that they make were so the other character and it was brilliant um they are just so worth watching in the background so that leaves um blaine as puck which (laughs) poor darren didn't really have much to do he didn't have that much to do, but did you notice sort of like like he's sitting there and he's doing the yawning, but like by the very end of the song, he's like, he's getting, you know how he gets that, not really tearing up, but that sort of slightly emotional where like. Yes. The song, that, like, the, that expression song. that he was wearing like during candles or whatever. Yeah. Like he's always swallowing a little bit harder there. Something's, he's, you know, he's been sitting there like, yeah, I'm cool, I'm bored, whatever. But it's, he's sort of picked up on that and he's got that at the end of the song. So, um, and then that leaves us one of my favorite performances of the whole thing. Um, Kurt Asfend. Just everything. So obviously the Corey made a big to do about Chris having perfect hair because that was in the behind the scenes footage. He went out with a brush and like a pound of hairspray. (laughs) And just the. But Chris nails the. The Corey's little mannerisms. The stuff that I didn't even notice that, that, you know, Finn does. And I'm like... The way he sits. The way he sits, the way he talks and uses his hands. and Just the little, the dumb look on his face when he looks at Rachel. When she's she's talking and then the stuff just like staring at her. The crack. The crack about her boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just me or did your boobs get bigger? (laughs) Like what? we're going to make out a little because your boobs look slightly bigger today for some reason. <laughs> so as much as that is exactly a thin line, hearing Chris yeah. say that is just so funny. <laughs> well, that's what, uh, to, um, Jenna in the behind the scenes, she's like doing a scene with something like Chris pretending to be my love in being Rachel or pretending to be my love interest, blah, 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 is a sentence that I never thought I would ever say. <laughs> well, I love the one little throwaway thing I do like in the second half of the episode is um, when Rachel, when Tina's like, I had a you know dream about Kurt, but he was dressed as Finn and wanted to make out with me because my boobs were big or something. <laughs> and Rachel's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's about the point in time when you go, let's go get you an MRI. <laughs> Yeah, poor Tina. She keeps having these head injuries, and I'm worried about her. <laughs> she hit her head hard too. Yeah. So um, we should talk a little bit, like about Rachel as Tina and Tina as Rachel. Um, though we'll, leave, I guess we'll leave the plotty plot out before we get into our big giant yeah. rant. Um, Can we talk about Tina's fall into the pool, though? <laughs> okay. So apparently, I don't know if you guys knew this. But this This is based on a viral video that was on some security cam footage about some woman who was texting on her phone and went ass over tea kettle into a a fountain at a mall. It's literally what they did here. But that is one of the worst looking falls. (laughs) Oh, I'm surprised she was conscious when like she got out of it. And I love that she had this whole like 10 minute sequence in her head and she I mean, she bumped her head like had a flash really and then all of a sudden Kurt's in there you know he's Kurt again talking about did she really have to take fabric with her to the fountain right his <laughs> big concern is not the you know gaping head wound that she should have from a, a, a hit like that but no she messed up the fabric <laughs> priorities 
No, not the right time, honey. No. <laughs> so, so yeah. The question, why, why has in her fantasy has she reverted back to goth Tina? That's a good question. That's really she's, interesting. She's reverted back to the Tina that she was in season one. I think I have an answer for you because she's Rachel, and she is seeing herself as she thinks that Rachel sees her. Yeah. Okay. That's just my BS moment of the of the podcast. <laughs> but that makes sense. So, and I do yeah. think you know, it's unfortunate Tina doesn't have enough characteristics. Rachel playing Tina still feels a little Rachelish. I don't know. It's not my favorite swap. Tina though, I give Jenna some credit. She yeah. really mimics mm-hmm. Rachel oh, Leah's style of, of emoting songs. So, and, um, yeah, it is worth just going back and watching everyone's reactions. I don't even like that song very much, but watching everyone's reactions and, and how they, yeah. you know, just look at and act like each other is really worth watching. So. It was, yeah, so, like, I mean, Tina did, Jenna, Tina did, like, an amazing job with that song, but it, I suppose it's a little bit, um, I suppose, disappointing for her and that, like, the solo that she was given was a song that was suited to Rachel slash Leah, not necessarily the best for her to showcase her voice and what she can potentially do. So, like, we got the mannerisms and we got the character and that was amazing to watch. But the actual sort of song is not necessarily the best song for Tina. For Jenna. Yeah, for Jenna to sing. And it's sort of, I suppose it's a little bit I would agree with that. I mean, I didn't hate it. And no, it sounds no. fine. Yeah. But just those. Celine Dion is is up there with, you know, there's always artists that people always say, unless you're literally got a powerhouse voice like Leah does, like Amber does, you can't pull off those big power ballads convincingly. Yeah. And, And it wasn't bad. It was just not quite right. Yeah, just a little. Yeah, and so like, yeah, as for for a character who doesn't necessarily get all that much solo time, it was sort of I sort of think she oh, finally totally. finished a song and it wasn't even as herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't have true colors. She had true colors in season one. She just had that's <laughs> true. Do you think the season three people were? It's like they forgot about what happened in season one at this point. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty sure the writers forgot about what happened in season one at this point. So, well, uh, let's touch really quickly on the the Puck B storyline. There is a because yeah, if you watch this episode, as I said earlier, you get the first 20 minutes, which is kind of all about props and and there is the Tina Rachel line stuff is in there, but you get a lot of this cracky humor. You get this body swap. You get this Kurt storyline. You get them practicing for nationals, and there's some really entertaining stuff in here. And then it kind of cuts. I, I swear to God, around minute 22, which is halfway through the episode, and it goes to these other, you know, the full on Rachel stuff, which we'll talk about, and then this Puck B stuff, which is understandable it is Holy a rap crap it's so serious yeah just dynamic tonal shifts completely change and then there's no there are only four characters in this last half of the, the episode where it's the tina and rachel and then 
Oh, sure. Go ahead. Could it be? I mean, I don't know who actually took writing credit for Ian Brennan. He did. See, and then that makes me go, well, oh, oh, the Ian Rennett, that that explains it. But it almost feels like three different people wrote this episode, right? No, it's just Ian. Maybe two. I mean, it just feels that way because you have such, like you said, the drastic tonal shift. Like, you went from this uber crackiness to wow, we got really serious really fast. Can I just make a side note? As I'm doing my rankings, I figured out that Ian is my least favorite writer because majority of his episodes are in the bottom. I was like, oh, why does this episode suck? Oh, it's Ian Brennan writing it, which I feel bad. (laughs) Of the main three, he's my least favorite. So, so yeah, we have this Puck B stuff, which is kind of a wrap-up of both of, well... Pucks kind of goes on a little bit longer, but it's wrap up of the B storyline. And there are some things I do like coming out of it. I do like that they have this connection. I do like that. Um, is this the, um, I think this is the episode where Beast, where Cooter is like yelling at her and, and she's going to yeah. leave. And, and he's like, who's going to take care of you? And he, she says me. That's who's, who's going to, who's going to love you now. And her response is me. Yeah. And that was a good scene, and and yeah. and they also puck and beast. This is where they do mean, is and that right? Yep, yeah. And I do, you know, uh, I do like their version of that song. Yeah, I do too. I think it's really great. And um, and their scene before that, so the scene after after the fight, um, where she's broken up the fight because he brought out the prop knife. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, whoa. Yeah, and he's breaking down in the locker room about how I'm nothing. That's probably, like, it's the best scene that Mark Salling has ever done. Yeah. And and you know what? It's probably another one that sort of equals that. And, again, it's beast in it when we return to him in the quarterback because we get mm -hmm. fucking beast in the quarterback as well. So the, the two of them work together really well and they play off either, each other really, really well. But it just felt so alien in this episode from what we had just come from to be hit with something like this. Yeah. They set Which it up was, slightly yeah. with the puck dressing up as a woman thing, but it is yeah. such a 180 from the crackiness yeah. that had been going on. But it, yeah. Again, Buck as a woman, that was set up as humorous. Like, Yeah, it was supposed to be name. To be um, a, a cracky follow-up to the whole Kurt's not going to wear a dress, the puck's yeah. going to wear it. Yeah, and then it just hits us through this. And it's, it was powerful, you know, it was a very powerful scene to sort of, to watch him break down and sort of the two of them together sort of worked really well. It wasn't a bad scene. It would just, no, no. it's just so jarring. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they intended that. I don't know. Maybe they wanted it to be even more powerful. So that's why they did it that way. But it, it was just like, you know, la, 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 we're having fun. Oh, my gosh, they swapped. And then, then whoa, real life moment. Yeah. Um, what I didn't what I didn't like was the, the, the girls approaching Beast about the situation, how they marched into the teacher's lounge. And they're like, and they're like questioning her, like, why are you still with him? Why are you married? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, um, no, that's out of line. And like, it just seemed really, obviously, it's coming from a caring place. Um, 
But again, I couldn't imagine as a teacher sort of just sitting there and taking that from students without saying, you know, girls, this is not the time, this is not the place, you need to go, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, that's well, and on the, place. the flip of that, as a student, you should mm-hmm. not know that much about your teacher's life. No, no. <laughs> you should not be in a place where you can offer commentary. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, it wasn't. Though I did like when they walked into the lounge and, like, the teacher's trying to kick them out. And Santana's like, um, Brittany and I are gay and Mercedes is black. So if you, like, got rid of us right now, it'd be a hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Brittany's like, well, uh, I'm not totally gay, but I think that trees are born the same way as babies. So kicking me out would be kind of mean. <laughs> like, oh, my that gosh. No, why can't they just let her be bisexual? Jeez. Anyway. Yeah, um, because if someone says that on TV, I don't know, something terrible will happen. Yeah, the world will be exactly the same as it was before it. <laughs> I know, the sky won't actually fall, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, I, just wrapping up that portion, I want to say so many kudos to Dot Marie Jones, who did amazing work. Um, in the storyline that was not a really great storyline, but her work in it was fantastic. And I just, in awe, I I always love Coach Beast. I I just, I'm sad that Coach Beast gets the worst storylines half the time. So, Uh um, all right. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, (laughs) the reason I hate this episode. Oh gosh. All right. So here's my thing. Everybody that's been following me in this podcast in season three um, knows I've been having issues with the Niana storyline and with the pampering of Rachel and how, you know, I feel it's not Rachel, like, as the character. I like Rachel as a character. The writing of Rachel, though, has gotten out of control. So the thing, the thing that's really frustrating, though, is you take Tina, and Tina is not... A favorite character of mine, but I think that she got shit on a lot. And even in the opening, when they said, here's what you missed on Glee, you go through this whole big funny spiel about how everyone is neglecting Tina. And it's really funny, and you think, oh, well, maybe they're going to actually do something with Tina in this episode. And no. they, <laughs> and then they, they start to do it. Then Tina has this fantastic just blow up where she just... Mm-hmm. yells at, at, at Rachel and yells about everything and is angry and is rightfully so. And it's like, thank God someone takes down Rachel Berry because not only, you know, she chokes at her audition, which is, we talked in choke about how that's understandably sad and that it's unfortunate going back that they detract from that really powerful choke storyline with the rest of this stuff that, that's going to happen. So we get Rachel just being awful, saying, like, you know, this is my time, you will get your time, and you know what, you can't be like this, which is frustrating. And then mm-hmm. you get Mike, who is supporting Tina, I mean, supporting Rachel, which seems yeah. wrong. That seems so out of character for him. But the worst is this, oh, okay, so here we go. Rachel has been spending her time basically stalking a, a faculty member of the school that she wants to get into and just no, 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 no. <laughs> like you don't stalk people. Okay. You don't do that. 
you really should own up to the fact that you screwed up and that you should try again next year and that you should, you know, maybe apply to more than one school and, you know, don't just keep harassing. That's a whole other can of glee worms. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I... uh, The biggest frustration I have with this, with, I mean... Obviously, yes, Rachel's the whole stalking storyline and continuing her fight to get into Niada is that, like, at this point, Kurt's not officially in Niada. Ni- Ni- no, I can't even say it. Ni- Ni- <laughs> Niada. <laughs> Niada either. Okay. So, like, he's in the same position as her. Yes. he in But because in his audition he was led to believe that he was incredible and he was amazing, um, he hasn't he's not given this opportunity to fight. He is not given a reason to fight. Um, This school still only lets 30 people in a year. Why isn't Kurt getting the opportunity to be showcased at nationals as well? Because he still also needs to continue proving that he's worth a position in this school. It's become all about Rachel um, because she's stuffed up and because she's stuffed up, she's going to get rewarded for it. And, that's my biggest frustration when it comes to this. When, because when she did, when she did choke on that audition, part of me was like, this is amazing because this is going to give her some, like the storyline that could come from that of Rachel looking at a different path for her life or fight, fighting in an appropriate way to get what she wants. I thought there was, there was so much opportunity for her and her character because until that point she kind of did I'm not saying that she doesn't work hard and all that sort of stuff, but things were handed to her. She she got the solos unless, you know, she was suspended or one sectionals where Will decided to do something different. Um, she, she A lot of it was, you know, she was, as Ray, Tina says at some point in this episode, she was born under a golden star. And I wanted her, her and the actress and Leah to have something else to be able to sink their teeth into, and they just didn't do it. So, and that was my frustration. And added on to that, you have, you know, you're coming from Choke, and then you have Prom, where she's a, basically awarded Prom Queen because yeah, she's because feeling everyone sorry, feels for, sorry for her. Right. And yeah. then they're going to do this ridiculous storyline about her chasing down um, Carmen Thibodeau to get her spot yeah. back and to whine about it. Now, I am glad in this episode Carmen Thibodeau is like, no, not going to, you know, whatever you are harassing yeah. me, leave me alone. Um, I'm, I'm sad that didn't stick, but... Um, but then you have dragging down Tina, which makes it even worse. That you have this character yeah. you've already shit on beforehand, and like I said, I'm not the biggest Tina fan. I don't care as much, but it's like you it, all of a sudden Tina is like she has this hit on her head, and all of a sudden she's drinking the Rachel Train Kool Aid. Like you know what, yeah. Rachel? Let me go help you stalk Carmen Thibodeau, and I will drive you there. And you are the most amazing person. And then the end where she's making the freaking costumes. And yeah. it's like, well, we're going to just have our time next year. We'll just make these costumes for Rachel so that she can do whatever she can. And it's not to undermine. Rachel does work hard. And mm-hmm. a lot of Rachel's story is about how her talent is the only thing that she thinks is worth about herself. But you just, they took every left wrong, not left, but like every wrong turn to for the storyline. And yeah. I guess the thing for me that I dislike the most about this is it's not 
what Rachel did because okay, yeah, all of this stuff is inappropriate, but this is Rachel. She sent sunshine yeah. to a crack house. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> this is well within her characterization to do all of these things. My problem with it is that unlike when she sent sunshine to a crack house, which she got a lot of shit for. Mm-hmm. No one is giving her any crap for this and they're supporting her in it. And then on top of that, it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just one frustration on top of another, on top of another. And that's just not even including all the logistical stuff. Like this is not how you get into college period. Yeah. And, don't stop you know, your teachers, people. <laughs> don't, don't stop faculty members. It won't work. I promise. It doesn't work. I mean, now, as far as the applying to only one college thing, I will tell you, I will admit, I only applied to one college, and I got in. But it was a state school, so... <laughs> it wasn't a yet, though. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a dedicated... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, specialty school? Yeah, there you go. It wasn't a specialty school. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't... It was just a run of... I mean, it was OSU. I was going to say, was it Ohio State? <laughs> yeah, it was Ohio State. I applied and I got in. And, you know, but I'm not the rule. I'm like an exception to the rule because that doesn't usually happen for most people. No. Well, in Niata, I'm sorry, they have more than 30 people a year in that school, but that's a whole other story. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are way too many students at that school for there to only admit 30 people a year. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they just don't graduate. That could be. Who knows? I I just know that a lot of the frustrations of this particular ending story arc and the way that a lot of the characters were shafted, I mean, not just Tina, but, you know, everyone seemed to get these really, you know, not great storylines. And yet they're propping up Rachel, who could benefit from her story about her really growing and leading this all up into season four that, and we'll talk about a lot more about it in season four, but that is why one of the many, many reasons why the beginning of season four was so rocky. Um, mm-hmm. it just, it's the ending of this season didn't go very well, but so, yeah, I mean, we could dwell on that for another 20 minutes, but I'll move on to nationals, but where we go on it some more, but <laughs> it's like, I, I want to express, no. I, I really want to express the character of Rachel has some, in seasons one and two, I think she has some great stuff. And in seasons five and six, she has some great stuff. And I even am sympathetic and understanding more than I was at the time of season four, Rachel, but the writing of this end of the season three stuff where Rachel screws up, but instead of having her learn from it, they have her given like, you know, consolation prize after consolation prize until she finally gets it what she wants is just unsatisfying and does a disservice to the character. Yeah. It's the show like try like the show trying to shove this Rachel is special above everybody else rhetoric down our throats that doesn't work. Yes, Rachel is special. Yes, she is talented. Yes, she's incredibly driven, but not in a way that places her high and above other people in that glee club. Um, Regardless that, of whether she thinks she is or not. Yeah, and she, and, <laughs> she, and she, she is, and that's the character, and that's great. And, you know, I, you know, we love Rachel when she, you know, she gets in that crazy headspace and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, because we get to see the other characters playing off it and things like that. It's, it's 
when it comes across in the way that it comes across in these episodes, that she, it's not about, it's I, when it's, we're talking about the nationals, it's I need this, not we need this. And that's, that's when it doesn't work. And that's when she loses sympathy. And when you lose that sympathy for the character and this character is central to the storylines, the storylines don't work because mm-hmm. you don't care. She is one of the characters who, along with Sue, mm-hmm. probably will, and you can feel free to throw out some others, she's one of the characters who has no consequences, good or bad, for their actions. You know, it's it's like no matter what she does, if she does something wrong, she's still going to, the good stuff is still always going to happen to her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I suppose there I was can't... the slight consequence with the TV show bombing. Yeah, I was going to say uh, five and six, they, they did a little bit of stuff. But... They finally got to a point where I think they were like, oh, you guys don't like it when Rachel wins all the time? Yeah. So, and even that wouldn't be the fact that it felt like it was at the expense of other people. Rachel gets in yeah. at the expense of Kurt. Rachel gets the solos at the expense of Tina. Rachel gets to go to New York at the expense of Finn. Rachel gets to do this at the expense of somebody else. And it, or like, you know, it, you know, even just like Santana or whatever, it, it just quit making the comparison or, you know, quit. Like ha- just have Why her, on her own. Rachel step on everyone else to get what she wants because they're not her competition. Well, I mean, in a roundabout way, Kurt is probably her most direct competition, but they're not going to stop her from getting into the school, and they're not going to help her get into the school by stepping all over all over them either. Mm-hmm. So, and this is like like I said, I just kind of want to end this section saying. What I said before, we're not here to just sit and bash Rachel and we hate Rachel and blah, blah, blah. It's we are taking a critical look at the writing of this and saying this doesn't work. This character deserved better than what she got. And I think that's true because I understand, like fundamentally, I understand what they were going for. But it's just one of those things where they were going for something and they just just completely fell short of it. And in hindsight, I didn't follow up because it was, the hindsight was, you're a junior. Next year, you're a senior. You can get it all next year. Well, that argument's irrelevant because Rachel's been getting it since she was a sophomore. But now that we've seen see, the following year, we know that doesn't happen. She continues I mean, to get it. Unless she starts the Too Young to Be Bitter Club. Yes. That was in season four, right? She, yeah, that was season four. She she okay. gets gets a solo at sectionals that gets cut off because Marley passes out. Um, she starts the Too Young to Be Bitter Club and she falls in love with her gay best friend. Is what Tina gets in season four. Happy senior year, Tina. <laughs> Sorry, as well, the hindsight makes it a little bit more frustrating as well. Yeah, it is. Well, and on top but, of that, uh, you're not going to get we're going to get, you know, the seniors don't get to be the, you know, shining stars. We have all these newbies that have to be the shining stars. And that's a whole rant we'll say for season four. (laughs) Gosh, every episode where that happens, is just going to be. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't like a lot of the newbies, especially in the beginning. Some of them grew on me eventually, but it was frustrating, especially when I would have liked to see someone like Tina finally come to the forefront because she doesn't have Rachel to overshadow her or even like a dominant personality like Santana. 
So, yeah, that wraps up props. It's uneven in a very, very disconcerting way. Like I said, the first half of it, if you just stop around minute like 22, 21, it's a really, really entertaining episode and really worth watching. And then you get the second half, which you can just skip. And I say go straight to goodbye because I, I dislike nationals even more than I just like props. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's talk about nationals. Um, but, yeah, when I was doing a little bit of reading up on these episodes, apparently these aired bad back to back in the They States. did. Yeah, they didn't hear. And you know what was really sad about that? Because I remember that night we were, I, well, I was excited to watch it. I wasn't actually, I was only a lurker in fandom at the time. And I'm like, you know, you watch the first 20 minutes of props and you're like, oh, this is going to be so great, you know? And it just starts getting worse and worse and worse and it just does not get any better. <laughs> <laughs> it never really comes back from that really not fantastic but good because there were some issues which we talked about but it never really comes back from that after the the first 20 minutes you're just well, we got we got a week to decompress in between these episodes here it wasn't long enough <laughs> <laughs> so we got nationals and um, I, for my meta, I wrote a list of reasons why I don't like Nationals. Now, Nationals, I want to preface this with, I, I, like, a lot of people really like this episode. Um, I do. See, so Kitty can, we can argue, we can duke it out. I'm not saying that it's without issue, because it's so not. But the things that I like about it, for me, outweigh the things that aren't so great about it. Hmm. I mean, this is the episode that birthed the wonderful MC Hummel and his bitch meme. That's true. So, if anything, we do get that from this episode. Okay, so let's yes. talk about the first four minutes of this episode, which is what I find the most entertaining. Um, oh, jeez. I mean, we have um, Mercedes who gets a stomach flu, but that's okay. She'll be fine. Yeah, because Sue is going to, I don't know kill her and bring her back to life because what the hell did she do to that girl we don't want to know um we've got no here's one thing if quinn can recover from us if quinn can recover from a spinal injury in a space of a couple of episodes to perform it's really not that much of a stretch for mercedes to be able to overcome food poisoning okay one thing i will give sure. nationals credit for um I think they, that I'm glad that they did is that in this first four minutes, they show them practicing. They yep. show them practicing. Again. I, I know. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this the whole, that, that's the one thing I appreciate for season three. <laughs> there's not much, but there's one that they were actually <laughs> practicing and shown practicing throughout season three. And once they hit the nationals, um, portion, Arc. yeah, uh-huh. they were actually practicing the songs that they were going to do. So I'm yep. like, thank you. Thank you for doing Even though Nationals was incredibly telegraphed, I mean, who else? It was going to, they were going to win. It was just, you know. It was season three. We didn't know what was going to happen to the characters or the actors after the season was over. Nobody was saying anything. Everything was up in the air. I mean, it was so incredibly telegraphed that they were going to win. Mm-hmm. So, but there is, there's a lot of little funny things like Brittany's pillow falling out the window <laughs> and. My pillow just fell out the window. Disaster. <laughs> but again, question. Why are Tana and Brittany still wearing their Cheerios uniforms in Chicago? Oh, who knows? Because Sue made them. 
Why? That is a good question. I've never thought about that before. Um, Kurt and Blaine really don't have anything to do but sit there, and um, there's that meme that Mel mentioned, which was amazing, and I cannot unsee it, but it's MC Hummel and his bitch. <laughs> That's what, uh, what, what was it that Kurt called himself in the elevator? Did he say he would have been MC White Chocolate? Yeah. That's what MC White Chocolate would have looked like. <laughs> Oh, man. So, I'm kind of glad they don't have a whole lot to do in this episode. (laughs) They do look kind of frightened, though. It's like someone helped. (laughs) Everyone is just attacking each other. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's kind of the first part. The first four minutes are really entertaining. Um, Another Mm -hmm. thing that I actually really like about this episode, um, I kind of really like the Justice A. James stuff in here. Um... His little chat with Rachel. I, I, there's a lot of chemistry between those two. I, I don't. Those just, two that will have chemistry to the day they die. Yeah, and it was this. I'm pretty like it was this episode, sort of watching that that scene. I'm sort of that was a point where I started thinking he's better for her than Finn. Um, and I, I mean, it's now with you. Pardon. I said, I can't disagree with you. Yeah. And then, like, in hindsight, yes, it's in- incredibly bleak is how it all turned out. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. before before we lost Corey and Finn and all of that, there was a there was a part of me that much – that thought that Rachel and Jesse would work much better as a couple than in the long he, run than Rachel and Finn. He understands – that part of her personality and supports it so much more than I I think that Finn could, not that he wouldn't want to, but I mean, it's very, very obvious as you, you know, you go into goodbye and he's like, I can't go to New York with you and you got to get on the train and and all blah, blah, blah. And that's like it. it. If that was Jesse, he would be going with her because that's their dream. Like he, he loves her. Like I don't deny that. That you know, Finn loves her, and Rachel loves Finn. But when you look at where they wanted to go with their lives, and where they start, well, where Rachel did go, and where Finn was starting to go to, it wasn't all that compatible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. I feel like this—it's so interesting too, because we got very little of Jesse in this episode aside from this scene you know i mean he was there but uh this moment between them Mm. was so much character growth for jesse yeah in two minutes three minutes of dialogue with rachel i i just felt like you know he grew up a little in that minute and you know and it was nice to see and it really shows that what they can do with so little. And then on the other hand, makes it frustrating when you don't get that from other characters. Yeah. And I love it in this conversation that he mentions that he has a pager and with the whole Brody and his pager in the following season. Oh my God. Rachel and Maggie's pagers. 
as an aside, you could delete this out. I signed up to do that episode. In fact, I insisted that episode because I have to, I cannot not talk about Santana and Kurt and the pager <laughs> and the fact that, you know, the rant she goes on about how he's a drug dealer and he's made of plastic. I just I have to be on that podcast. I cannot. That's like one of my favorite moments. The is, is that um girls and boys on film? It is. Um I also as an aside, have you guys seen that that one Friends episode where Joey talks about if the actors are doing it off screen, that there's no chemistry on screen. And <laughs> I'm sure that I have, but I've heard that, like, it, that's not the first time I've heard that saying. So, I mean, I don't know if that was, like, if that came from a true place from those writers or not, but I always thought about that with, the, you know, Rachel and Finn and Rachel and Jesse, because Leah and Jonathan Groff has so much chemistry, and she has... Not as much with Corey, but, you know, who knows? Well, and, you know, but Leah and John will never be doing it in real life. That's true. Unless there's something about John I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, getting back to the episode, I've lost my train of thought, sorry. Okay. Um, The other thing, okay, so... uh, there's no plot to this episode, really. Um, it's just... A, you get the next 20 minutes of the episode is all music. And, um, I mean, I don't think any of it's bad. Um, it's... Well, let's talk about... What comes first? Oh, let's talk about New Directions first. They're set. I don't personally like, which is, I know, an unpopular opinion. So you can completely shoot me down. But I do <laughs> say, I do agree that they they, they sound wonderful. They're, it's a good set for them to win this with. I, I think it's really well done. I think the biggest thing about their set, whether or not, you know, you like the music, the songs that they picked, whatever. Because the set was really good, I actually felt like, yeah. I believe that they won with that set. Yeah. I mean, like the, particularly with um, Dashboard Light, I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of the choreography of that number, it's much more advanced than what they have done in anything else. And it really is. And Zach Woodley just outdid himself because there was like yeah. 20 people running around that stage. And, you know, it could not have been easy to try and choreograph that number. So, like, it's believe, like as you said, there's really no tension because we know that they were going to win again. But mm. with that, with that particular number, and that probably that one more than the other two, it makes sense that they would win with that. Oh, I yeah, I remember what I was going to say before. Um, Rachel, in the span of choke prom, props, nationals, and goodbye, has five. Over emoting solos. Jeez. <laughs> See, like in terms of the solos in competitions, I don't, I don't get it. Like that's to me, that's not choir if it's one person standing on the stage. And I sort of like, why? I don't get it. Shouldn't it be because like, they made they made a point in early season one when they first were talking about the show choir rules, which have basically just haunted the yeah. show the entire way through because they 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 did two things and the first one is they made they made that mandatory 12 person rule which kind of shot them in the foot which is also became such a big joke yeah and then then not everyone has to be featured in every song 
that's the other rule. Yeah. So not I get while they have to have 12 members, not every member has to be in every song. And that is how they get away with the giving Rachel or, or you know, whoever the big was ballad the or solo or whatever. I mean, I mean, Santana got a solo, but like everybody was on the stage with that and everybody was dancing and was a part of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rachel solos, it's literally like her on the stage with nobody there with her. There a couple of people. are a couple of people in the background. Blaine yeah. is back there. Quinn is back there. It's But they're all basically just going, ooh. And the way the stage is lit, especially the boys because they're in black, you yeah. almost can't even see them. Yeah. Well, that's been my biggest problem. I mean, and it's not, I just, I shouldn't, even though Rachel is the worst offender, a lot of times, especially in competition episodes at this point, when you have somebody sing a solo, it just stops dead in its tracks. And there's no plot, and there's no story, and it's just somebody singing on a stage. And I'm like, if I wanted to go see Lee and Michelle in concert, I'd go see Lee and Michelle in concert. I don't, you know, it, it became a thing that they were so, like, they seem to really love giving her these solos and watching her sing on stage like this. Well, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, because that's the wrong connotation I want to use here. Her songs, as far as on iTunes, they sold well. Yeah. And, and you know, and I will say in this case, in, in some ways, unfortunately, so did Darren's. Yeah. Be, and that, you know, hence we got Blaine the human jukebox. Because they sell well, they basically looked for every excuse they could, intentional or unintentional, to have them on a song so that they could reap the iTunes and whatever sales. So um, we have, you know, the New Direction set list. Uh, a shout out to the little cute little Curtin Blaine moment where they mm-hmm. dance with each other and sing about glowing knives. I, I did like that fright. Like, okay. That's the line you want to give them? Okay, sure. But I did like that they made a point to give all the couples kind of a minute. Yeah, they gave like Brittany and Santana something too, didn't they? Uh, Right, at that same part. So Kurt and Blaine come in and like dance together and Kurt totally checks out Blaine's ass and... (laughs) Uh, I said, no, I'm sorry, it's Blaine checking out Kurt's ass. That's what it is. And then when they come down, and then right after that, uh, Santana and Brittany get their moment, and then um, the four of them are singing with Finn and Mercedes for a second, and before they all spin off and do something else. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite little moments, because I, I love that they made a point of not only giving them a little solo or duet moment or whatever, but you know, they showcase them for like a good, it was a good, not a minute, but you know, it was a, a good several seconds there. Yeah. I'm the trying to play. put it in TV time. I mean, that song was long <laughs> and they played the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what was the third song? Was there a third song? There's Rachel Solo. Yeah, it was. I started with Edge of Glory with the. Yeah. And that was all the girls. Oh, yeah. I think that's another thing that bugged me, too. I mean, I know that the Troubled Tones were promised a, a number, but when you have, like, a Rachel solo, and then you have one group number, but then you have all the girls singing again, it just... Well, as I said, for a lot of a lot of the members, Paradise by the Dashboard Light is the only song that they're on stage for. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if we're talking about getting giving seniors a chance to shine because it's their last year, 
There was like, a number of Kurt them that isn't even in, is only in one number in the entire national set list. Yeah, and, and it's showcased, showcased for a couple of seconds before it mm-hmm. becomes a Rachel and Finn duet. Yeah, I mean, I could have done without the Rachel solo. I mean, I, I would have kept the Trouble Tones number as an all-girls number, but, like, then make, you know, two more group songs. Don't, yeah. you know. But, I mean, the whole point, I mean, because this is when we get Carmen Thibodeau. We should mention Carmen Thibodeau does come in, and she sits down, and somehow Rachel's magical solo seems to brainwash Carmen Thibodeau. I adore... What is it that Kurt said in, in Funeral, like... You know, like I, I can't stand her, but you gotta admit the girl can sing or something like that. It was like that, and I'm just like, this is not what happens, people. Yeah, somebody like Carmen Thibodeau would probably never, ever, ever never gone. gone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of um, um, Niata, can we talk about just for a second that Jesse didn't get into Niata? Oh yeah. my God. Hmm. And neither did Adam Lambert. So I just don't trust that because they did let in Adam and um, Brody and those sycophants. Yes. But they didn't let in Jesse St. James or Elliot Gilbert. Right. Or even Kurt the first time. I mean. Or even Kurt or Kurt Hummel. Come on. What (laughs) is your status quo? What are you judging these people on? I really want to know how the sycophants got in there. Rachel's season four group. Yeah. But then we never actually got to see them perform. Maybe they're incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they stalked Carmen Thibodeau as well. Maybe Carmen Thibodeau actually likes being stalked. Oh, (laughs) jeez. All right. Um, Well, let me get vocal adrenaline. Which did they really need? Well, I mean, because, no, I mean, I really enjoy these songs. Before Vocal Adrenaline, we get another Kurt Sadie's and Unique theme. Right. And that was so cute. Yeah. I love the they, white rose. They, they give her a, a white flower. rose. Yeah. And, and it is. It's a nice little, I like that there's a little through line through these couple of episodes with, with Kurt and Mercedes and, and helping out Unique. And it's kind of a shame that Unique doesn't really do anything with either of them going into season four. Yeah. But, um... But it's really nice here. And and I, I do, I actually kind of like the vocal adrenaline numbers better. Oops. Um, not in the I point actually, that I think. I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I told you I was in the unpopular opinion of this, this portion of the Bart episode. But. You're wrong. I, and I, and uh, go sit in the corner. <laughs> I enjoyed Starships. I thought Starships was fantastic. But Pinball Wizard. Okay, when that I, one. I yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Starships was pretty good. Pinball Wizard just did not work for, for me. me. Well, and, they had those pinball machines on them. I mean, aside from that, but, like, just as a song, I just don't think it's a song that I, like, I don't even think I'd care for the original, so. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's how I feel about, that's how I feel about Paradise on the Dashboard Light. From or whatever the song is called. I actually don't like the original. Oops. I can't stand that song in either version, so that's just me. <laughs> you can be, you can tell me I'm wrong, or just enjoy. Like the other thing, I want to preface to anybody that's listening oh, yeah, out there. I won't tell you. I mean, in all seriousness, I won't tell you that you're wrong because if you don't like something, you don't like it. I can't tell you yeah. that you're wrong for not liking it, but 
you know, I just really enjoyed that, but it's just, you know, one more song and a list of songs that once Glee covers it, I love it, but I just did not like in its original format. They played, I was going to say, I was at a wedding last night and they played the full version of the original because it was obviously, oh. it was a song that they liked. So there's a group of them like singing along and dancing to it. And I'm, I was like, we're into it for the, f-, and it just kept going and it kept going and it kept going. <laughs> and it's like, and it's finished. And one of my friends is just like, well, that's 10 minutes of our life. We're never going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> let's go drink, let's go drink some more champagne. I was going to say, like, if you like it, then like it. Like, don't, like, I know there are people that like candles, and that's great. That's just because I can't stand that. It doesn't mean that, you know, your opinion of the song is wrong. I like the full version of it. I do not like the cut they used for the episode. See, I think I, I prefer it short, like, because I'm not into, like, massively, massively long songs. So I enjoy it. It's a fun song. But I prefer it shorter, which is probably why I don't mind the version in the show. <laughs> so we get the the announcement. I, I like that they have Kurt and Blaine holding hands, and and you know their son Rory is off to the side. No, um, <laughs> it looks like a little family portrait. Well, that's a fandom throwback. <laughs> no, but they are. They they I, they do jump around together too, and it's really cute. Yes, they do. He Kurt sort of jumps at at Blaine when they they announce that they win, and that was very cute. Okay. So now we get into the uh, part of the episode that it's been five years. Do you want to stick a fork in your eye? (laughs) uh, There's a lot here, so bear with me. Are we going to hear hear Space Awesome yell and swear? (laughs) I probably won't swear because I don't swear very often. We'll just yell. Say, like, we we will give you here, you have five minutes to completely rant about why tongue tied sucks. Well, I have more before that. I have to talk about the judges first. Oh, okay. oh. who were the judges in this one? I'm is um, one of them was um, it's uh, Perez Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and Rod Remington. Oh Jesus! No, I'm sorry, not Rod Remington. It was that shoot. It was that Asian guy. Um. I'm so sorry that I'm forgetting his name, but it was another dude. He didn't really do anything. It was mostly, okay. He played, he he didn't play himself though. He was, the other two were themselves, but he was playing a different character. Yeah. Who was like obsessed. Who was like on the, the show choir fan blogs, probably interacting with Blaine. (laughs) And he wasn't bad. I don't have any problems with that dude. Um, So we have Lindsay Lohan and Perez Hilton. Two god-awful people um, on the show for reasons I don't understand. Uh, Nobody was funny. The scene is horribly awful. Perez Hilton Mm. is a douchebag. Lindsay Lohan just, I don't think she understood why she was there. Even as in joking form, I don't think that she knew. Like, she just seemed so lost. Like, it, it wasn't funny. It went on for like. That was not a good time for her. Well, yeah, it wasn't. There's a good chance she didn't know why she was there. And the jokes weren't funny. I mean, a lot of, I mean, there are very few of those judges panels that I think are funny. The one after original song is, is probably my favorite, but this wasn't, there was well, nothing that's funny about it. I had the, the, the stripper nun who just <laughs> made that entire scene. <laughs> yeah. So there's this big stunt casting 
that went on. It just went on and on and on. Okay, so that was that was bad. It and the sad thing is, is that I feel like it probably could have worked, but they just tried so hard. Like it was so forced. Like I just felt like, you know, we're funny. Ha 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 ha. No, you're not really that funny. Yeah. So okay, so then we get the infamous tongue-tied montage and there are a lot of things over the years that I've forgiven. (laughs) I've forgiven Blaine cheating. I've forgiven the whole second breakup. I've forgiven a lot of, you know, just a lot of questionable choices throughout the years. I'm not really angry about anymore. No, this is the one that makes... This, for some reason, just still pisses me off. It's been five years. It comes on the heels of an entire season full of censorship, where in recent episodes like Prom, I don't know if you guys talked about this um, on the Prom podcast. We did a little bit, yeah. But how all the extras were making out. Yep, we did. Okay. You literally go from scenes like that to tongue-tied in which everyone including Santana and Brittany get a moment and Kurt and Blaine exist next to each other they don't even exist next to each other I mean maybe I should get five minutes to rant (laughs) and it's like it's including so all the couples get their moments Rory gets a moment with some randoms in the hallway so he's got girls all over him. He's not even part of a relationship. And then, as like, Kurt and Blaine are not even next to each other. There's one clip where, like, Kurt's in front Wasn't of Rory Blaine. supposed to be dating Sugar? No. Oh, I don't know. No. I don't pay much attention to Rory. And his they were dating life. in heart. Not really. They went on a was- date. Because he yeah. pretended he was going to be deported. To get- Well, maybe they are because he pretended he was going to be deported he to was going to be deported. That's the, the, that's the thing, though, is he is going to be deported. He doesn't come back after this. In the previous episode, when like Ray, when Tina's yelling about wanting a solo, Roy's like, well, I'd like one before I'm deported. So does that mean he's still keeping up this charade so that he can still be with Sugar? There's no evidence of that, though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> they get one sec they get one second where they're like confused by the confetti. Yep, and then <laughs> Kirk gets mauled by the Kurt gets mauled by the hockey players, actually. Uh, he, he, he spends, oh, yeah. That I did kind of enjoy, though, because it was definitely a throwback to uh, the all, you know, they're actually, he's being supported by the school yeah. now in this group. Because originally before Karaski sort of, I don't know why, switched to football, he was a hockey player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I, I liked that throwback. This song, Tongue Tie, is like the equivalent to the props episode. It starts off fine. You know, I like the song. The celebration's really fun, but then it just all goes to shit. 
right. Yeah. So that's, and I, you're right. I think the reason why five years later it still pisses me off is that, um, there's a meme that I just saw. I, I don't, I think it's in my queue and I'll have to save it. Um, it's just that you didn't even really know Kurt and Blaine were a couple by this point at the end of season three. Like, after Dance with Somebody, it was like... Is that the one I've seen going around where it's like, are Kurt and Blaine still together? Yes. Are, are they boyfriends? Friends? Uh, acquaintances? And it's gifts from, like, the last half of season three where they barely acknowledge each other's existence or something. And then, like, it's like the last gift, like, the thin Kurt puck Blaine because, it's like, that's not even them. Yes. It was yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, I've seen that one floating around. But, it, yeah, the, it's... And I know, like, going into season four, even though it's not really... You can you can twist it in hindsight to, to lead up to the breakup stuff, but it's not. It's just that they they did dance with somebody, and then they said, we're not going to worry about Kurt and Blaine until the little bit in the goodbye, and then season four. Like, we're not going to do anything with this, you know. I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I don't know. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to even speculate. I just know that we didn't see on our screen any kind of evidence that the storyline continued and the salt, the ultimate salt in the moon was this tongue tied montage. Now it was just like the final slap in the face of a season that started with so much promise and just sort of, it was just like, Nope. Now adding to the reason that I don't like this, um, it keeps going and it keeps getting worse. <laughs> Would you say Mel? I'm sorry. I know where you're going, and it's gross, and I don't want to think about it. You know, the Kurt and the Blaine stuff is not the most egregious thing in this little montage. Uh (laughs) I've got reading my notes. I do not even want to go there. Um, We'll be quick, then. Here's the thing. Um, Because Will did such an amazing job as a teacher, um, Emma meets him, and Emma decides... To finally give up her virginity as a prize or a gift or whatever the hell you think you want to call it to Will for winning nationals. And it's just to me one of the most disgusting displays. No, 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 no. It is it is perhaps the worst, one of the worst things, and this is saying a lot, one of the worst things I think that Glee ever did. It's Awful. Virginity like this is whole, yeah. not a just, gift that you give somebody. It is not a prize for winning a goal. It is just Emma ceased. And really, it, it's unfortunate. It basically throws all of Emma's mental illness characterizations out the window. Her problem with sex is not in any way related to whether or not Will wins nationals. It's not. I mean, we could just go on for days, but. <laughs> no, the answer is no. Okay. It's just thumbs and nose at, at, at everything that she went through in season two with her struggle to finally, you know, medicate herself for her issues. It also undermines her as a person, at least, at least in my opinion. And, you know, it's like there's one thing if the show said, you know, had her having conversations like, I think I'm ready after Nationals. I think no matter what, I want to have a special time with Will. Then that makes her a person and that makes her, you know. But the way they frame it 
it's they take all her agency out of it. Yeah, and it's not about her being a character. It's about a prize that Will can achieve. She's a prop. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. Okay, so it get, keeps getting better after this. Make some random observation though. So, okay, so Will's picture and his uh, in the in the Lima news or whatever. He's wearing the same shirt in the scene when he goes home to Emma. So that paper literally came out the same day or something. Or it was taken. The picture was taken. Yeah. That's what I thought. They won nationals and then he got, he went home and then had sex with Emma. (laughs) But now before he went to the newspaper and had his picture taken and an article written about him. Oh God. Anyway, just this this entire sequence is just the it should have been cut. Well, and then well, no, I mean I understand it though. I do understand. Oh, I, I, they could keep parts of it. The part where the school is finally celebrating the Glee Club that mm-hmm. I liked. Everything else could have been cut. Yeah, I can even I can even tolerate the Rachel signing the yearbook. That's a nice little moment for her. I I mean, there's no I have no reservations about that. But yeah, so then we get the end of the episode, which I'm, you know, just done at this point. But um, the only reason I even remotely like the end of the episode is because they sing We Are the Champions. Well, we get (laughs) Finchel giving Will Teacher of the Year. And I, oh my God. Because apparently Prom (laughs) King and Prom Queen give uh, the Teacher of the Year award. Well, they're co-captains of the Glee Club. No, I thought it was because they won Prom King and Prom Queen. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Oh, man. I kind of wish it was so I could trash it. I don't know it if it was ever really... M- I'm sure there's not really a reason. No, I think it was because Figgins came out to the hallway and called them in because of their Prom King and Queen. Oh, okay. They gave them a wedding gift, which was really weird. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So this teacher who has been reprimanded the last time we talked to Kitty about being a horrible Spanish teacher. Right? He, he was so bad as a Spanish teacher, he had to change jobs. But now he's given the Teacher of the Year award. And on top of it, I mean, not just the Finchel giving it to them thing, which is annoying, but on top of that, going forward, it's like Will can't let go of high school or whatnot, but he can't let go of this particular moment in time either. Like, the season four characters just get shit on, and the season five, and everybody going forward, because Will can't, you know, he had this one group of kids he had one time, and not even, like, Blaine and Sam get to be categorized in it with it, but those are the only characters, sorry, those are the only kids that matter to him. So I guess going forward, this, this moment just... Uh, solidifies all of the irritations I have of Will's character going forward. So, and well, and it's kind of like in the same way. Uh, this scene is sort of like where I was talking about before with Rachel and props, where this is one of those scenes where he's basically being rewarded for all the wrong things he's done, mm-hmm. whether or not he, as a character, recognizes them as wrong. Um, we as an audience are going, wait, what? Yeah. I mean, like, in, ter- in terms of him and his teaching, so, yeah, he's a terrible classroom teacher. Um, I mean, yes, his position, his position as 
as like a glee coach or like a, a teacher of the arts extracurriculars because I still don't know whether this glee club is extracurricular or within the curriculum. It keeps changes, changing. I don't um, know yes, if they ever really picked one and just sort of waffled in the middle somewhere i think it's some weird combo of the two yeah because you could you could look at it well you know maybe he's being awarded for this position because in that sort of position you would be impacting your students in an incredibly positive way in in a non-academic setting but he's in in even in that position he's not great and his relationship with the students is inappropriate and weird. Um, so none of it actually makes sense that he would be. Don't forget, if you're thought. ever drunk and you need a ride, to give him a call on his cell. No, you do not give. No. <laughs> don't you remember that? I do, but it's just like, no, you don't give. Because I don't know if you're, I'm a teacher myself. And it's like, you do not give students your phone number. You do not friend students on Facebook. You like, it's just, there's a line. There is a line, people. And like, why? <laughs> Mel, you get your five minutes too, honey. <laughs> I have. The thing is, this is not just with Glee. I have frustrations across many, many television programs and films in how teachers more so TV than films, how teachers are presented. And it's like, it's so wrong. Do your research. Like, not like, (sighs) On a side tangent, I cannot stand Mr. Holland's opus um, because it's, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a movie by a band director. And my dad's a band director. And I just, (laughs) I'm I'm like twitching. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) But anyway, that's whatever. So I I feel, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen it, but yeah, I imagine that it's it's just like the more familiar you are with a certain kind of situation, yeah, the more it's going to bother you when someone does it incorrectly. Well, and I can understand. I mean, there are suspensions of belief, disbelief. I, yeah. I do understand some, you know, uh, um, liberal uh, exaggeration of a certain aspect of whatever. I, I understand that for storytelling purposes, yeah. but. There's a and, lot. And, and in that vein, I mean, I will give TV shows, you know, so much, but you can only suspend so far. And like this person is being rewarded for incompetence. And there's like, as we said, like there's people like, as we said, Emma, who ended up getting the tenure position, and we won't get into that as well. But there are other people at that school who would be more worthy of that award, but they don't get it because they're not a regular cast member of the show. <laughs> yeah, Coach Beast. Uh, where, why can't Coach Beast get it? Where's Coach, where's Coach Beast's award? She she like you know changed up the the footy team and and helped it in regards to that. But it's just I will say though, in fitting with Glee's crackiness, I do like that the reason Emma got tenure is because of her pamphlets, especially the one. <laughs> About uh, was it Jock Itch and Jock I'm itch. sorry, but Finn looking at that pamphlet and go just left in scrub. It's that easy. <laughs> Will never, ever not be the most hysterical thing. I mean, I could still see it in my head. His little like easygoing grin, like oh my god. But it's like until until this episode, we'd never even heard of Teacher of the Year, had we? No. Like Finn, 
Finn randomly mentions it in his speech. It's like the thing in the previous episode with the the Nationals MVP. That's never been a thing before. Or the the, the, the um, that was an original song when they one time they do MVP for um, it's. It's Rachel gets it because Rachel needed to right. get an award for that. But situation. that was like, yes, like the in the class, like in the class, not like through the the nationals competition. Like last nationals, yes. there was no mention of the MVP, but this nationals, Rachel's like to Carbon Timido, I'm going to win this, and then she didn't. Um, like it gets these like random little things to somehow create a story. I don't know. And I don't think they ever do the Nationals MP- MVP thing ever again either. No, well, they don't need to, but. But I in all of this, we are the champions. Was Take away the context of that. It was a really great performance. Yeah, I was going to say, to wrap this up on a higher note, uh, let's talk about we are the champions. Because I think um, there's some, some neat things. First of all, I think it's a great group song. Um, for me, personally, this song is always going to be tied to my favorite childhood obsession, the Mighty Ducks. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Love the Mighty Ducks. So I can't unassociate I just, that. I just throw in a random interjection about the Mighty Ducks. Oh, sure. Yes. Always. You know how I'm doing, we're doing Grease as our musical this year. We had our sort of first song rehearsal on Friday with, um, we're doing Summer Nights and oh, it was woeful. And so they did their first thing through and the, the guy who's helping me is like, all right, guys, we're at the point of the Mighty Ducks where they can't skate and they're falling over and it's <laughs> they can't do anything. But by the time we get to the show, I was like, that's a fantastic metaphor and I'm going to use that from now on. Ducks fly together. That's what you need to say to them whenever the rehearsals start falling apart. Remember, ducks fly together. <laughs> Was it flying B? Let's go. See, and then I think it works for Glee too. I mean, here are these like yeah. misfit kids who get together and they win the championship, and they are totally like the Mighty Ducks because I will totally go there. Um, <laughs> no, I, but okay. see, I and I agree with you though. Like, it, out of all of the songs that they could have feasibly picked for that moment, this song worked so well because uh, you can really tell, especially with some of the characters that really triumphed over some of some really crazy ass shit. Well, and let me, over the um, past three years, let me give you Kurt's lines. Cause I love his lines in this. He's it's the, I've taken my vows and my curtain calls. You brought me fame and fortune, everything that goes with it. And I thank you all. And I don't know. It just really works for me for Kurt's character. I do. Th- and, and, and I just think in general, they s- sort of, really divided it up well to the characters that it was given to. And yeah. they don't always do a good job with that, but I think here they did a good job. Quinn, get, I don't remember the next line off the top of my head, but Quinn gets Quinn's line though. Works really well it's too. Quinn, and it's Quinn and Kurt. They sing it together, don't they? And then they put their arms around each other. Yeah. They have like, uh, she comes up and stands next to him and, and they put their arms around each other. He yeah. doesn't sing, but he's standing with her and, and they're like, and he's, kind of like hugging you know like that side hug thing you know yeah. and it, it's a cute little moment yeah one you don't normally see between them no you and, yeah it's because i know that way back when chris and diana were pretty close and you can see elements of that in the background of season one um <clears throat> so it's kind of nice like i don't know i yeah, Kurt and, and Quinn never had any storylines, but it's there's a nice, friendly chemistry there they in have, some respects. They so. had one in season one. Yeah. And that was when Quinn 
told Kurt to give Rachel a makeover and then Kurt used that makeover to try and steal Finn from Rachel. <laughs> she's wearing she's wearing a pantsuit. <laughs> Somehow she'll have managed to both dress like a grandmother and a toddler at the same time. <laughs> oh, memories. I'm sure that's what they're reminiscing about. When we were too young to know any better. Yeah. Remember that one time I passed you in a hallway really quickly? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time we waved? <laughs> so so yeah I, I do like the ending number I, I do think I mean despite the fact that there's no plot the the episode works for what it is but I that those just that ending 10 minutes is so frustratingly awful um, that that's why I always go on huge rants um, about it so. We just, we just need, Kate, just think of where the champions as New Direction singing about themselves rather than singing to Will. And it's awesome. Yeah, awesome. although I do got to admit, just for a second, when they're all hugging him and yeah. the, the cast is very clearly emotional, I do kind of have a minute of, I'm like, oh. For the cast, I mean, yeah. For the yeah. cast, like, I mean, but I mean, in some ways, like, for the characters, too, because they obviously love him, as misguided as, as that could be. You know, they obviously love him, they revere him as a teacher, they all need their heads examined, but that's another, you know. So, for them, in that moment, they're like, yeah, we did this thing, we did it together, you know, we didn't give up on each other, you believed in us, and, and we did this because you believed in us, and it's, it's it in that sense, like, if you look at it from their perspective, it is kind of an emotion moment, and so, with the hugging starts, that kind of get go, huh. Yeah. And, and, obviously, you know, Will is very moved inappropriately moved because you should not be that moved by your students but anyway no no i wouldn't say that though i mean well, I think, okay i mean but and like when he and finn hug and and maybe now some of that is a little bittersweet because obviously you know since Corey's passed but that's just he's completely choked up and and he you know and you can tell it's really interesting to see because i always look to see how long like a lot of those are just super quick hugs and and then like his hug with you know with finn is like a good couple of seconds his hug with kurt he like squeezes him like an extra squeeze and like you know it's so it's interesting to see the you can tell his relationships with the different characters based on this like 30 seconds where he's hugging them all and that is a lot of hugs that's like 15 people i hug them all Maybe not Mark Snelling, but I can dress them all. <laughs> well, that's a different issue. Anyway. So, um, so anything else you guys want to touch upon? Anything that I didn't get to in your notes before we wrap this up here? Nothing is coming to mind. I kind of think, I mean, Nationals was really, you're right. There's a bulk of it that's just musical numbers. So there wasn't a lot of extraneous stuff. No, it gives me plenty of time to rant about what I need to rant about. <laughs> so, all right. So um, that kind of wraps us up for today. Um, I want to thank Kitty and Mel for listening to me rant for uh, two hours. And um, <laughs> join us next week when we get to goodbye, which I, I like much more than most people. So um, that'll be an interesting little universe. Really? At least, you know, I figure that would be an episode you'd rant about. 
I know. At the ending, I will. But the, most of it, I don't mind so much. So, yeah, join us next week when we do goodbye. And thanks for listening. Go!